All right, turn in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 16. If you don't have a handout, there's some kind of floating around. You can raise your hand or grab one if you see one. We've reached the turning point in Paul's letter to the Ephesians. It's pretty evident when the first verse of chapter 4 begins with, Therefore... And uh, that is a cue that things are starting to shift in this book. And as I said last week, many of you are frustrated at this point uh, as we've been studying uh, this book because Paul in the first three chapters hasn't given you anything to hasn't given you anything to do yet. There is not one command in the first three chapters of Ephesians. Well, that is all about to change in chapter 4. You will get your belly full of commands in the next few weeks, I promise. So much so that by the end of the semester you're going to be saying, Paul, would you please stop? Because Paul is going to pierce our hearts with commands, with things that we need to be doing because of what Christ has done in us and is wants to do through us. So with that in mind, please stand. And let's read uh, God's Word as it is found in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in uh, verse 1. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit. Just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying, he ascended... What does it mean but that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain unity in the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, For whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, it makes the whole body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is God's Word. Let me pray. Father, we thank You uh, for this passage. And Lord, we need Your help as this book turns uh, and Paul starts laying out the imperatives uh, and the commands uh, in these next few chapters, we're going to need you because we're going to need to see Jesus. 
because uh, the temptation is going to be uh, that we just do this on our own. But Father, we'll never live the way this passage and the passage passages that we're going to look at in the following weeks unless your spirit is at work in us and unless we have a firm grasp of your grace and of all the things that we've been learning the last few weeks uh, through this letter. And so, Holy Spirit, come be our teacher. Convict us, change us, make us more like you, uh, and help us to live um, in a manner worthy of our calling. We ask you to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. In chapters 1 through 3, we've talked about this a few times, but we need to do a little review since we had a couple weeks off for spring break and then one for uh, Easter Monday. Uh, those first three chapters, Paul lays out the most astounding, elegant, all-encompassing doctrinal statement about the work of God and His work in the world. Remember in chapter 1, Paul talks about the fact that we are redeemed, that we were bought back by Christ's blood. Then he talks about the fact that we've been adopted, that we were born outside the family of God, but Christ adopts us into His family. God adopts us into His family. Then in chapter 2, we start. We see that when we were dead, every single one of us was born dead in our sins, but Christ in His Spirit, resurrects us and gives us new life and makes us alive. Then in chapter 3, if you remember, we talked about the dividing law of hostility between the Jews and the Gentiles and the fact that Christ broke down the wall of hostility and brought peace to those that were far off. And now in chapter 4, Paul moves to application. And he starts beginning to tell us how all those things that we learned in 1 through 3, the incredible grace of God, the grace that we have in Jesus, how that should affect our lives. Look at verse 1. Paul urges us to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. And the word there, walk, is exactly right. It's something that's ongoing. And it's something that involves action. It involves uh, something that we do. And what Paul is basically saying, and what we see in Scripture, is that Christians have to do things. That's all there is to it. You know, we can't just sit around and say, yes, we love Jesus, and that never show itself in our lives. and never work its way out into our lives, into the world around us. For example, uh, my relationship with my wife, Susie, it has an effect on my life. Uh, here's how. I can no longer, uh, I am called to walk, walk in a manner worthy of being a husband married to Susie. That means that I can't go as much as I want out to Buffalo Wild Wings and watch March Madness till midnight and eat wings all night while she's at home putting the kids down, uh, giving them a bath and, and just kind of going through all that. I can't go out and spend our money any way I want and get the new car that I've always dreamed of getting. I can't go and go to the sporting events that I've always wanted to go to, the Final Four being one of those. Um, I can't do those things because here's, here's the point. My commitments really do change things about me. And Paul is saying the same is true if you're a Christian. He's saying that because if you're committed to Jesus, because of what he's done... In your life, 
and what He's done for you, we are to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. How do we do that? There are tons of ways that we can walk in a manner worthy of our calling. We could list 50 right now in this room. But Paul tonight talks about three in this passage before us. And the first way, if you got your outline, the first way we walk in a manner worthy of our calling is by pursuing unity. Look at verses 1 through 6. Think about this. Out of all the topics Paul could have started with, he starts with unity. He could have began his discussion of what it means to walk in a manner worthy of our calling anyway. And Paul starts with unity. I don't know about you, but that's surprising to me. I find that somewhat surprising, and you're probably surprised as well. But the thing I want you to realize is that it is that important. It is so important that Paul races to it right away and starts writing about unity. Right after he says, walk in a manner worthy of your calling. Look at verse 3. Paul says we should be eager to maintain unity in the spirit and the bond of peace. And then he tells us why in verses 4 through 6. Those verses make up one sentence there. And if you look, Paul repeats the word one seven times and the word all four times in order to make his point about this whole unity thing. And then he connects it to the Trinity. Look look at what he does. Verse 4, the Spirit. Verse 5, he talks about Lord. He's talking about Jesus there. Verse 6, he's talking about God. Paul is saying that Christians are to live reflecting that kind of harmony. The perfect harmony that's in the Trinity between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the kind of harmony that we are to have as Christians with one another. And some of you are saying, how is this possible?